You just type in P learn and see. What do you do? <laughs> I just sneezed. <laughs> it's going at the front. <laughs> Learning with Matt and Courtney. My name is Matt. And I'm Courtney. What do we do here, Courtney? We talk through the do-dos and the don't-dos of personalized learning. We do do that, don't we? Yes, we do do. I just said do-do again. Yep. So did you. <laughs> so in, in a couple pods in the past, we've talked about a uh, day in the life of an elementary kid. Yeah. We're going to step that up today. What? And we're going to progress to the older kids. And nice. talk about secondary kids. Awesome. And awesome. secondary te- teachers. Secondary learners and teachers. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Go. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. So here's what I've been thinking about because we've uh, we've had a question uh, on our parking lot, which we'll get to shortly, but it's really got us thinking about what secondary school looks like versus elementary school in a personalized learning environment. Yeah, a lot of people have been thinking about that. Yeah, and really mm-hmm. wants to know what the differences are. And... You know, in the past few weeks, both of our, our districts have had visitors and come to talk to us mm-hmm. about uh, what's going on, what's different. One of the things that, that they say is, you know, we kind of thought high schools would look different. Right. And they don't. Right. On the surface, I would argue. Okay, I'll go with that. Right? Sorry. Because, okay, so here's, here's what we're at. High schools usually go with some type of period schedule. Yeah. They're... Uh, separated by courses. Yes. Uh, they have bells. Yeah. Kids run through them just like we all kind of used to. Yeah. Right? High school doesn't look any different on the surface. You look at a master schedule. It there's... still looks pretty crazy. Oh, my God. It's insane, yeah. right? It's insane. You've got you've got well, classes attached to teachers throughout the periods, and you have prep periods, and you have time off. And, you know, it looks on the surface until you start digging. It looks very similar. Mm-hmm. Okay, I guess we're done here. Yeah, so, so that's uh, it. Yep. Uh, okay, so, no, so what happens when you dig a, excuse me, dig a little deeper? When you dig a little deeper, so here's one of the things that, that I found as I was sharing one of our school's master schedules. They wanted to see what a schedule looked like. And they already, they already have realized that um, the teachers maybe change classes in the middle of the year. Yeah. That they can adjust the schedule for what kids need. Right. And it really hit, they, they kind of get that idea and we're really excited by it, but still trying to figure out, okay, what does this look like for me? Mm-hmm. What does this look like in my school? So I shared with them uh, a master schedule of one of our schools. And right on the top of it, it says draft number 117 on February 4th, 2019. What? <laughs> uh, and I said, you know, I, I don't know what happened to the 116 before that. But if this is another draft in February, we're clearly changing our schedule to meet the needs of learners. Right. So you're not locked into a September to June schedule anymore, and kids have to flow through that schedule because that's the schedule and that's the schedule. It's like, no, our schedule is flexible also, and this is what we mean at a high school level. Mm. It's not the same as elementary where you have a lot more fluidity uh, and and be able to adjust what you need to. you know, with some restrictions, of course, but for the most part, 
you you have a lot more flexibility of right. what you do in elementary than you do in a high school. Yeah, with the time, for sure. Yeah, with the time. Yeah. So this really hits home to them. Uh, they really liked the fact that, okay, we're all on board with having flexible schedules and really meaning it by changing the schedule in the middle of the year. Right. And that kind of blows people's minds, but then they're like, well, why wouldn't we do that? Why not? You know, and that's what they always come down to. It's like, oh, it seems so obvious, but it seems like a lot of work. And, yeah, and it is a lot of work until you get people on board saying, well, my kids, they need this. Mm-hmm. And they need that. And that's how I need to change my schedule. So from a kid point of view, they aren't stuck in classes like we talked before, where the material is either over their head mm-hmm. or too far in front of them that they can't do it anymore. It's not in their zone of proximal development. So kids are being challenged, and if they finish a course in March, for instance, they don't have to wait around till the end of June for the rest of the course and then start up a new one in September. They can switch immediately. Right. And the schedule's flexible enough to allow that to happen. And the teachers are flexible enough to allow that to happen also, which I think is a huge key. Oh, yeah. Teachers have to be like, oh, I'm getting Courtney in and it's March 25th. Right. Uh, okay. Okay. This Good. is what she needs. This is what we're going to start working on. And here we go. Yeah. And figure out a way to do that. Hopefully there are other learners that are working on those same targets also. Yep. But it's just a, a, a matter of being flexible. So one of the questions that we had, I want to like transition into that. This might help a little bit. Okay. Uh, one of the questions on our parking lot came from Mark Hledek. And I know I butchered that, so I'm sorry, Mark. He's from South Carolina. And he says... Uh, I've been listening to the podcast for a few years now after finding it during my doctoral research on personalized learning. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. That's really exciting. So I did have a question regarding classroom culture in the high school setting. So how do you suggest a a teacher handles the SOPs and other cultural suggestions when they have six or seven Mm -hmm. different classes at any given time? Also, on a semi-related note, how would you suggest teachers post these cultural aspects in their classrooms that host multiple classes and or for teachers who travel from class to class. Awesome question. I know the year's three quarters of the way through for most of us, but I thought this would be a good end of the year, beginning of the year topic that could be broached. Yeah. Totally agree. No, Thank you, Mark. that's good. This is a great question. Actually, two good questions. Yeah. All right. So I went through this. Yeah. I'm not the travel part, but I'll right. take the first part. Right. Like, how do you suggest a teacher handles the SOPs and other cultural suggestions when you have six or seven classes at any given time? Most high schoolers, high school teachers have multiple classes. Yes. Right? Middle school teachers do too. Middle school also. Yeah, it depends on your building. and maybe Sometimes upper elementary. Exactly. Also. Maybe elementary also. Right. This really applies to everybody yeah. uh, that is in this situation. Mm-hmm. So we, when we started this, when my district started this uh, switch to a more personalized learning approach, I was teaching high school math. Mm-hmm. And I had four periods one day and four the next. And we were right at the beginning stages, so we started doing the code of conduct, and we started doing SOPs, and we involved the learners, and we did them in every single class. And by the second day, the kids were like, what the heck are you guys doing? Because I'm doing this in every class, (laughs) and it's always the same, right? We all think the same things. And we're taking the time to organize these and really involve the kids and really trying to do it well. But they're like, I have to do another code of conduct for the eighth straight time over two full days when it always comes out the same. Of course, as always, kids figure stuff out before adults. Yes. It's no secret. Right. 
So we were like, yeah, that's a problem. So we we're trying to reflect and figure out, okay, so what, what works for us? And so somebody came up with, well, why don't, why don't we just take those, those codes of conduct that we've done? Because they're 99% the same. Because mm-hmm. we always come up with the same stuff. Kids always came up. So they're like, we're just going to distill this down to one. And this will be the code of conduct for the room. Nice. Because all the classes are in the room. So we'll, we'll have that code of conduct for the room. And we'll have the same SOPs in every class because, again, for the most part, they were all the same. For the most part. Uh, The ones that were a little bit different, they talked about it differently. And, like, here's another idea that another class had. What about that? And they tried to, you know, come to consensus, basically. So they had one set of SOPs and one set of conduct. And then somebody a little while later uh, down the road in that year, maybe even the next year, were like, well, if we have it in each of the classrooms, it's pretty much still all the same. Why don't we do this for the building or at least for the wing, mm-hmm. right? The wing, the hall, the floor. Why don't we do it for that? And that's the expectation when you're on this floor, which somebody's, well, what, what about the whole building? How about we involve that? And so the conversations have not been discouraging, but okay, so how do we involve the learners to have a school-wide code of conduct and a school-wide set of SOPs that we all follow because that's what the kids want to do. Because mm-hmm. they want consistency, right? Right, they do. One thing that kids complain about the most, I think, is the inconsistency between teachers. Teacher to teacher, yes. Yeah, that um, when I have Miss Belolan, I have to act like this. And when I have Mr. Shea, I have to act like this. And this is what they want. These are their expectations. And now it's shifted really subtly to what the kids' expectations are. Nice. And how they can do things. How did the kids, so what I'm thinking through here, yep. um, the, I guess the, the one thing I wonder about when you shift to a, like one whole school code of conduct or one, you know, one whole school SOPs is you kind of lose the nuance or it's potential to lose the nuance of necessary behavior changes in different places. So, for example, a science classroom versus an art classroom versus PE versus the cafeteria. So how did the learners um, tackle that? So one of the things that they realized after they came up with these like school-wide codes of conduct were that there was, were going to be yeah, differences in some places. Right. So those teachers came up with ideas of, okay, so how about we ask the kids what the differences actually are nice. and try to figure out what they are. And then it spreads to everybody. At that point, they have you know little assemblies and advisor meetings and that sort of thing saying, okay, here's what we've come up with for the art room because mm-hmm. the art room – uh, has a lot of you know materials and stuff yeah. that, that are in scarce supply for the most part. So we don't want to waste all that stuff. So when we're doing this, this is how you treat the materials that are in the classroom. Nice. And really had those larger context um, discussions with kids. It, it, one of the ideas at first was why don't we have this discussion like as a whole school, like in a gym, like at the beginning of the year or something or at the beginning of the week, mm. and quickly realized that 300 kids in the one gym, you're not going to be able to get a no. coherent yeah. anything. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like a smaller group. Then you have the 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 representatives, as it were, right. and just try to do a consensus document and then brings it back to the homerooms and really talked about all those things. So it was really, it takes time. I mean, this stuff, you can't do this in in a week. Uh, It takes time to do all that stuff, but everybody has a voice. Right. 
and they're finding different ways to work with each other yeah. and they're nice. finding different ways to to really improve what what the what the school looks like nice and fully supported by teachers because i know the end result is going to be kind of what we would have come up with anyway right but now you're you're taking that time to involve the kids so now they're already invested in what they're doing yeah that's important yeah it worked really it. well and then from year to year still making sure you hold the process it'll go quicker year to yep. year but not making making sure you don't just whip out last year's code of conduct that's and be exactly like, it thumbs up is it good no you have to have some more reflection and analysis yep. of it go right through yeah. not the whole process again but very similar to very that. Very similar. You're yeah. right, just to just to see what's working and what's not. Because you have a new set of kids. Right. So it's going to be a little bit different. Yeah, there are some new voices that need to be included. Hopefully, if you have a district-type vision like this, then those kids that are coming up, those that are new kids, already know what the process looks like, right. too. So they're already right. invested in what so they want. This, yeah, this actually kind of points out, though. You've been talking as if um, a teacher in the situation where the whole school is buying into this model. But if you're a teacher on your own and you have, you know, six, seven classes, then you kind of just do, you don't go that far with it, but you do the consolidating of the ideas from all the different classes. Yep. And then you only have one set. And um, that, I think that kind of fits right into the, net, the second part of Mark's question. Yeah. Which if you was travel. about if you travel or if you have multiple classes. Um, if you if you have multiple classes, I think we just talked about. Right. I mean, that's come to a consensus, yeah, and that's what you have, yeah. like a room-based one. If you travel, you can do still do the same thing. Mm -hmm. You can you just have to take them with you, and really try to keep them as minimal as possible at yeah. that point, right? We, right? We've talked a lot before about uh, having different SOPs, but only as necessary. Only as necessary. So once it becomes like common practice, you put them away. Right. 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 Yeah, that's really what I picture in this situation is like I almost picture the teacher doing this with with the learners at the beginning of the year. And then kind of instead of making charts or posters that hang on the wall, they get shrunk down and maybe taped in the notebook or the binder for that class. Oh, I like that. Right. So then they're there. And then maybe the teacher has smaller versions you know, on their cart, chances are they have a cart, yep. that when they need to, they can lift them up. Or maybe they have some of that, you know, there's all kinds of that, like, you know, removable tack stuff or whatever. And if there's one particular SOP that's really important or, you know, at the beginning of the year, if the teacher really feels like the code of conduct for is, should need to be on the wall, like, let's say, again, it's a situation where, like, this traveling teacher does this, but all the other teachers don't, mm -hmm. right? Then tack it up on the wall while you're in class, take it off, and then take it with you. You just pare it down, keep it streamlined and simple. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Seems pretty straightforward, but I get the questions. Yeah. Because if you haven't gone through this process. Or, That's the question. Or, or right? if you yeah. just try it on your own and you, I mean, all the things that, that I just talked about were we did bad at first. Oh, 100, <laughs> you know, yes. You had one. Yeah. I had to actually remember putting up different codes of conduct for the different classes that I had right. and different SOPs. Yeah. I was like, this is not going to last because no. I am not that person. Right. And no one is. Who's no one. Go well, well eh, I wouldn't go with no maybe. one. That's pretty strong. <laughs> so there, there are going to be those, those times you need to, okay, so we like the idea, how are we going to make this happen? That's realistic. That is going to work for our kids and that we're going to follow through on. Right. And I think pairing that stuff down, uh, while involving the kids, yes. don't do it yourself. No, 
just don't do it yourself. Don't come up with those SOPs by yourself. Don't come up with the codes of conduct by yourself, even though it's quicker. Yeah. Even though you think it might be easier, uh, you got to have the kids involved. It's worth the time, uh, especially at the beginning of the year. But you can start right now. Yeah, you could do it right now. So when I started uh, my whole mind shift in class, uh, it was February mm-hmm. when I did it. And I, I just took the leap. Yeah. Start involving the kids, and it makes all the difference. Nice. So uh, that is our advice. Start now. Think it through a little bit, but consolidate when you need to. But don't get rid of the kids. No, don't get rid of the kids. You need the kids. Don't get rid of the kids. <laughs> that is our new motto. You need the kids. If you don't have kids, you don't have school. Then it's just a bunch of adults talking to each other, drinking coffee, eating donuts. Because we got no kids oh, to teach. Oh, gosh. This is terrible. Yeah. All okay. right. So so thank um, you for the question, first of all. Yeah. If you have any other questions, uh, you can lead them on our parking lot at PLearnMC. You can follow the clicks after that. PLearnMC.com. Or that one. Yeah. That's probably better. Yeah. If you just type in PLearnMC, what do you do? <laughs> I just sneezed. <laughs> Going at the front. <laughs> so where you can, if you type in PLearnMC into the Twitter machine. Yeah, you'll find us. Or the Facebook machine. You'll find us. Yeah, so we we post all kinds of cool little articles and stuff. Courtney, you did one the other day about flexible seating, I think. Do you remember this? <laughs> yes. It was really good. Awesome. Good. It was really good. Good, good, good. Uh, good. So please uh, communicate with us and let us know some of your questions. Perfect. Uh, we've only got a couple of weeks left in this school year. And then it's summer. It's summer. So we have big plans for the fall. Yeah. Things are going to get crazy. Big ideas that we have that we need good. to follow through on. Yes. So with that. We will talk next.